Hi, good morning. My name is Jeff Ross. I'm one of the associate pastors here at Roswell United Methodist Church. It's great to be with you this morning and to uh, keep going in our series. I, I love our uh, lamppost. Uh, we've been talking about being the light, being the light in worship, being the light in community, and this morning being the light in outreach in the ways that we turn out and go out in to the community. So I want to uh, kind of put my uh, take on what it means to be the light and uh, share a couple of stories uh, about uh, attempting to do that and how we become that. So I want to uh, share a scripture with you. It's from First uh, John uh, chapter 1 verses 5 through 9. It says, this is the message that we have from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, though, he who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. May God add his blessing to our reading and hearing and understanding of his word. All through the New Testament, really all through the Bible, they're, they're fascinated with light. Uh, and you can imagine uh, in Jesus' day, Old Testament day, uh, they didn't have lampposts in the ways that we have them. They didn't have city lights. Uh, when it got dark, it was dark, even in your house. I mean, if you uh, have lived through the power going out and don't have a generator, uh, then, and you've lived by candles or those little oil lights, uh, you know that's, that's light, but it's not really bright light. So it, it gets dark. So uh, this conversation about what it means to be the light and, and become the light. So you see that, especially in the New Testament, uh, Jesus talks about being the light. The apostles and disciples talk about being the light. Uh, we're told that Jesus is the light in John 12. Uh, here it says that God is the light. Uh, in the scripture passage that uh, uh, Marion used last week uh, from Matthew chapter 5, it talks about our being the light. Uh, it says that you don't put a, uh, a light on a pole or a hill and then cover it up with uh, some sort of cover, uh, but that you let the light shine. And so we're, we're supposed to be that light. So that's, that's kind of what I want us to look at. What does it mean to be the light? as opposed to holding up a light or pointing to a light. Uh, and so in the context of the Sermon on the Mount and in the context of the New Testament, the, uh, the writers are trying to move us from where we start uh, to where we end up. And it, it, it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's not everybody's supposed to be the same. Not everybody's supposed to dress alike, look alike, talk alike, act alike. Uh, but we're all in a different journey, di different path. And, and God is trying to move us along that path as we understand, grow closer to uh, God, become more Christ-like in our actions. It's, it's what it means to be a disciple, uh, is to follow. But it means to follow in the ways in which God is calling us. And that all looks different uh, because we're all in different places. Uh, and, it, and at different stages of our life, that looks different. Uh, because of where we are, what we've experienced, what we're 
going through and what it means to be the light or become more uh, like the light in those stages. So if you're, uh, let's just pick anything, a freshman in uh, high school. Uh, if you're a freshman in high school, there are certain things that you do as a freshman in high school uh, that make that journey rich and full. Uh, it's not that if you take freshman English, you are a freshman in high school uh, because you may be a junior in <laughs> high school. I had a lot of trouble uh, with English. Uh, so I spent a lot of time as I got older uh, taking earlier English classes because I couldn't figure out how to get through them. And so, uh, but as a, 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 a freshman, that's, that becomes who you are for that year, and you experience and do uh, lots of different things along those lines. When you're a sophomore, senior, junior, uh, all of those are, are part of who you are, uh, not just what you do. And so sometimes there's some confusion in our faith that being uh, the light means to do kind things or to do light-giving things or to act uh, nicely or kindly or do a good deed here and there. And that's what it means to be the light. Those are all helpful, and that's part of the process. Uh, sometimes in doing good, nice, kind things, you become more like the ideal that you're trying to get to, but doing kind, nice things and then just reverting back to something else isn't always becoming, and it's not what Jesus is trying to get us to. Jesus, when he talks, uh, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, is trying to reorient us into a whole new way of life. And so he's not asking us just to do good things from time to time every once in a while, three or four a day or five or six a week. He's asking us to become something different. He's asking us to allow the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and transform us into a new creation. And so that means sort of stepping away and becoming uh, doing, uh, acting, uh, but not just good deeds on some sort of scale, but actually becoming that which he's calling us to. And so again, that looks different for all of us. And I think the church over the years has gotten into trouble because oh, we've tried to paint a picture where everybody does the same things, acts the same ways. Uh, there's one size fits all, and it, it's just not that. Uh, your journey, my journey are, are all different. Uh, and what God's calling me to and what God's calling you to and the journey uh, that it takes to get us from where we start to where God wants us to be might look a little different. And so it's leaning in, trusting, uh, and, and trusting God to do that work in and with and through us. And so for most of us, that probably means some sort of conversion, if you want to use that word, uh, in the scripture passage that I read, uh, where it says that um, if, if we say that we have no sin, we lie. Uh, but if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, that means God is constantly at work in us. And so, so one area of my life that I might be working on today 
Maybe it's different than an area of my life that I'll be working on six months from now or a year from now. I've found that as I've grown in my faith and, and become, tried to become more Christ-like, that uh, I'm reminded from time to time through all kinds of crazy ways that, oh, wow, this area of my life needs some attention. A year later, that area of my life needs some attention. But it might be that that's a different rhythm or pattern than what you're working on. But the tendency, again, in the church and where we've messed up with folks is to say, everybody's got to be working on this or everybody's got to be working on that. And if you're not working on this, then you're not really a Christian. You're not really a disciple. You're not really sold out. You're not really trying if you're not doing it my way. Well, God just doesn't work that way uh, with us. And... Uh, I love the prayer that Thomas Merton uh, penned. Uh, you may be familiar with it. Uh, I'm going to summarize it, paraphrase it. It says that my desire really is to please God. And I may be going about it all wrong. But I believe that the desire to please God does in fact please God. And if I'm going the wrong way, doing the wrong things, I trust, and my experience is that this is true, that God will come alongside of us in a variety of ways, people, things, events, and get us back on the right track. And so I, I want to kind of talk through that a little bit in a couple of stories uh, today. Um, this week, we got, these, uh, we got these shirts at the church here. Um, I think we got them on Tuesday for a staff meeting. So it says Roswell United Methodist Church, and on the back it says a place of community uh, and faith, which is kind of a catchphrase that we're, we're using right now. And so we're supposed to wear these and uh, have staff meeting and then eat lunch together. And I thought, okay, and, and I was kind of in my brain kind of thinking about, okay, be the light, outreach, uh, what are we going to talk about? Earlier in the week, I'm trying to figure out, okay, where's this going to go? What am I going to do? And I thought, oh, this would be a great idea. So I thought I'd put my shirt on and I'd walk down to Crazy Love Coffee Place and get some coffee. And I would just see, because Roswell United Methodist Church is such a big name in the community, I was curious as to who would stop me and go, you're part of Roswell United Methodist Church? That's the greatest church. And, and people would be telling me stories about well, what they found at Roswell or what happened or some event or I came to this and it was wonderful or whatever. Or you're so great. You work at the church? That's awesome. Uh, you must be such a great disciple. I, I don't know what I was thinking, but I I thought, I'll just put on the shirt and walk down to Crazy Love. And on the way down there, walking through Canton Street and then into Crazy Love, something cool will happen. Well, that, that's kind of what I meant at the beginning about doing good things. Uh, sometimes we think if we just do a good thing, that's what it means to be the light. Well, I walked down to Crazy Love and, and back, and nobody stopped me. Nobody patted me on the back for being a part of Roswell United Methodist Church. Nobody told me what a great church this is. Uh, nobody, people looked and kind of turned their head, and I, I couldn't tell what, what was going on with that. Um, but uh, it wasn't the experience that I thought it would be. But when I was at Crazy Love, I saw a guy uh, and his wife uh, standing and kind of talking. And he had a, a, a Boston Red Sox hat on. And so I, I got my coffee and I walked by and I said, 
nice hat. Well, it wasn't the shirt. It was the comment, nice hat, that just launched him into this long uh, discussion, him and I, into this long discussion uh, about pumpkins at the Northbrook United Methodist Church. He, uh, he, he attached the United Methodist, but the wrong one, and told me how wonderful the pumpkins were and went all, all, all over uh, the pumpkins. We had this great conversation. His name was Bob, uh, and his wife was Betty. Uh, and in the course of the conversation, it was clear that, that Betty had Alzheimer's and was really struggling. And, um, and in the course of the conversation, uh, found out a little bit about them. I let him know that I was a part of the church here. And he just said, pray for us. And I went, wow, I'd, I'll be happy to do that. So pray for Bob and Betty with the Red Sox cap about their situation. And I thought, wow, that was just totally backwards to what I was thinking about being the light. And I think that is kind of with the Thomas Merton prayer. I was trying to, you know, think, gosh, this will be great. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll hear wonderful comments about the church. And it was something completely different. But again, it was my intent that God somehow used and I think God is in the business of doing that, but it's about us becoming and not just doing that, that God is after. It's about a heart that wants to become what God wants us to become, not just saying, you know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just do this kind thing and then walk away. Uh, God's looking for some intentionality, I think, behind that. So... Um, Kind of along that line, I've been reading a book. I read lots of books. And because I'm a minister, uh, I, I, I tend to find books that are related to spirituality. But I'm curious right now in our world uh, that I'm hearing over and over and over and over again that people are more and more spiritual, but they're less and less religious. They're interested in God, in uh, spiritual things, but they're struggling with the church. Uh, and some of the history that church has uh, in our nation uh, at this time. And so I get that, but I want to know more about it. I'm trying to figure out where God's calling the church and calling me during these crazy times. And so the book that I'm reading right now is called Science and Spiritual Practices. It's by a guy named Rupert Sheldrake. Uh, Rupert Sheldrake is a uh, biologist with about 10 PhDs in different types of things. Uh, and he started off as an atheist, and he's talking about how from an academic and medical world, uh, they're beginning to see value in spiritual practices. And so he's writing about science and spiritual practices from somebody on that side. Most of the books that, that I've read recently have been from the religious side. How, do, how does the religious community see and work and network with the scientific community? This book is, is the opposite of that. And so, I'm reading this book, and on Friday, yeah, Friday morning, I had a uh, Mohs surgery on the back of my neck. Um, it's a skin cancer where they take a layer out and then they run it through a test and see if they got it all. And if they didn't, they go in for another layer. 
uh, and another layer and another layer. So you, you might be in the, the uh, doctor's office for a couple of hours, so they say bring stuff to do, bring snacks, stuff to do. So I, uh, I, I went and I brought this book because I just started reading I'm interested in it. And so the, the, the doctor comes in and, and uh, does the surgery on my neck or cuts the cancer piece out that they found that they were suspicious of. Uh, and then it, they say, I'll be back in in about 30, 40 minutes. We'll test it and see if we have to get more or if we got it all. So uh, the good news is they got it all and they sewed them back up and sent me on my way. But in the 30 minutes that I'm waiting, I'm reading this book. And then when the doctor comes back in, I, uh, I put it on the chair next to where I'm sitting. And the doctor says, science and spiritual practices. See, this wasn't like the other day when I walked down to Crazy Love. I wasn't planning on this. I wasn't thinking about doing this. I didn't take this book and say, wow, a doctor is going to love the title of this book. It wasn't planned at all. It was simply out of the, what I'm trying to experience and know and learn and grow that I picked up this book and was reading it, and it just so happened that the title caught the doctor's attention. And after we talked about it for about 10 minutes, what's in the book? Why are you reading it? What's it about? That's really interesting. Uh, and then got her side of kind of spiritual science practices um, that... Uh, that God used that in just a fun way to, uh, to be a light, to just bring some light into a discussion, to open up an opportunity to discuss something. And so I think simply that in, you may never pick up a book called Science and Spiritual Practices, and my intent here is not to say that you ought to. Uh, it's just out of what I do, God used that in just a fun way. And so as you think through what you do and how you go about life, how is it that you're asking God, entreating God, inviting God to help you become more of a light and not just do sort of random from time to time kind, good, light-giving things? It's not a bad thing to start there, uh, but it's not being Christian or a disciple to stay there. Does that make sense? Our God is calling us to move, to not just do good things, but to become the people that God is calling us to be. And that necessitates movement and growth and searching and praying and becoming, if we want to be the light that God is calling us to be. This particular Sunday that you have come to church, and for folks that are listening in today, this particular Sunday is the season in the life of the church, in the church year, where we talk about giving and stewardship. Supporting God and this church with our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness, and most specifically, our gifts. And so in the mail, you may have already gotten a brochure that talks about some of the things that are happening here at Roswell and just highlights uh, 
what God is doing in this place and an invitation to be a part of that. And I want to stress to you that uh, it's more important for us to give than it is for God to receive. Because again, giving is a part of becoming the people that God wants us to be because money has such a hold over us. And to let some of that go and to trust God and to put God first, even in this area of our life, is more of something we need to do than God needs the resources to operate the church. God's, God can do that with or without our help. But we need to participate in things like this. And sometimes it's an obstacle. You think, well, the church says that you should give 10% and I can't do that. That may be part of the journey, but a starting point is anything. If you've never pledged or supported a church or given to the church uh, or to nonprofit groups that you love and are passionate about, then start where you can. Uh, but see that as something God is calling you to do in order for us to be the light and be the people that God has called us to be. God is asking us to put aside everything that hinders. Seek him first. And it's amazing when we do that how the rest of it works out. Let us pray. God, I thank you for calling us. Thank you for loving us. I thank you for knowing exactly where we are right now and creating a path for us to go forward. And my path doesn't look like somebody else's path. It's similar. But God, I need to listen to how you're directing my heart, guiding me, leading me, the passions, gifts that you've given me. And we pray, God, in this season of the church that it's, it's really crazy. It's uncertain. And our stewardship campaign kind of helps us know, take a pulse of where people are and how we might envision the coming year. We all need budgets. We all need to know uh, where we are. Uh, we do live by faith, but as much as we can know, we're in better positions. So guide us, God. Bless the church. Bless us in this time. Uh, give us generous hearts to respond to what you're doing and how you're guiding us. We thank you for a time of worship where just as we come together, we're hearing and feeling and seeing how you're drawing us to be more like you. Not just doing good deeds, but actually being the light not just doing things from time to time that shine light on you, but being your people here on earth, being a part of your kingdom, helping others see you better, opening doors for discussions, opening opportunities, God, for you to be at work. We thank you for this place. We thank you for this time. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.